0: Hey guys, I just wanted to bring your attention. We are going to be running a free masterclass on February 23rd at 6pm UK time. That's 1pm Eastern time. If you're looking for more qualified leads, if you want more visibility, if you want to increase your income, I'm going to be sharing a masterclass where you can create and build your own digital summit. Now, I had zero experience when I launched this a couple of years ago, but we managed to master this. Three summits later, we've managed to make over six figures. We've managed to create 5,000 qualified leads, and we've managed to get on the front cover of some of the most reputable magazines in the world. So if you're interested in learning more, click on the link below and join our free masterclass on February 23rd. It's a free masterclass, it's an absolute no-brainer. You've got nothing to lose, and hopefully you'll get some great information. See you there, take care.
1: This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and
0: public speaker,
1: Adam Strong.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers experience with myself, Adam Strong and it's great to be here i love doing these live shows and for you guys that are listening to the recording well listen we do do these live shows you can also if you want to um really sort of tune in and uh, and and ask questions and get involved with the game changers experience then you can do so by following me either on linkedin or also subscribing to my YouTube channel and just make sure you click on that little bell to notify when we come into the room. So listen, today's show is by no means different. It's gonna be um fun-packed, engaging for you guys that are listening in uh, through our podcast or whatever it is, and you know, you're gonna have an abundance of different notes. So make sure you've got your notebook and pen handy because we're going to be uh, taking you on a bit of a ride today. So listen, without further ado, I want to introduce our guest of today. He turned into a really good friend of mine. Um, we, ha- we share some very good common values. Uh, his name is called Nick Bradley. Now, Nick is a, a basically a world-renowned business growth strategist expert, if you want to call it. He works with mainly business leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, and investors. And what he does, he helps to build high-value companies, right? So he's worked with joint ventures, joint venture capitalists, and and really kind of over the last decade has really helped. He sold actually 24 different businesses over the last decade and raised over $5.2 billion, which is really impressive, a great track record. He's also a podcast host. He's a, a podcast host of uh, Scale Up with Nick Bradley. It's the UK's number one business podcast. We, I guess we must be number two. <laughs> He's, uh, We're going to be talking about how to create a life-changing uh, exit, whatever that means to you guys. So some of the things we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about, for example, what our investors and VCs and uh, are looking for in terms of uh, investing into businesses uh, when they consider um, acquisition or merging with other businesses, what do you need to put in place if you are a business owner or you're looking to acquire a company? What are the things that you need to look for? What are the things, uh, what are the red flags that you need to look for in particular? Um, and you don't need to have any, ex- any experience, by the way, with this, okay? Experience helps, but, you know, making sure that doing due diligence and research is really, really important. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about what investors are looking for as well, um and uh really tapping into to nick's knowledge so um so without further ado my good friend mr nick bradley hey adam how are you man good to see you i'm very good good to see you as well buddy uh i'm I'm fresh off uh, the
1: plane i'm fresh off the plane from dubai i literally i was gonna say
0: like you look like you've just come off the beach. I'm like, what? You, you, you're like glowing. Do you know what I mean? Mate, glowing. Mate, thank you,
1: mate. It's, it's all the moisturiser they give you um, in business class. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel like I've got to, I feel like I've got to use like this Bulgari kind of set of stuff and just put it all on. So I literally, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to see Adam later. I'm going to see all of his, his community. I've got to make my face look at least
0: nice. Absolutely. 100%. I love it. Love it. Love it. Well, it's interesting. Uh, You know, uh, how was your trip to Dubai, by the way? Was it good?
1: Good. Yeah, it was fantastic. I caught up with some friends there. I also caught up with um, uh, Lauren Tickner, who's a friend of mine out there. And she actually was quite funny. We caught up uh, around the marina in Dubai uh, and went for a walk because she had to get her steps in. Got it. Love it. uh, I think she she spoke at your Game Changers Summit, didn't she, um, recently as well?
0: Well, she actually, um, there was a, a bit of a communication breakdown, unfortunately, but oh, really? I'm sure that we're going to be um, collaborating a little bit further on down the line. So that's not a problem. But yeah, we love oh. Lauren and we love um, what she stands for. She's great. On, and I love some of her Instagram reels as well. So cutest to you, Lauren, if you're listening to us. Excellent. Well, it's All good to good. be
1: here, mate. So as I said, I've uh, got a bit of sleep. got a bit of sleep on the plane. Here to serve as best I can.
0: Absolutely. So, if you guys are listening to the recording, if you have any questions, uh, we, you know, we try to make these as fun as and interactive as we can. Uh, but if you're listening to the recording of this and you have any questions, feel feel free to connect to Nick on any of the links uh, on the link below, um, and uh, we'll p- make sure that we put those there. But I want to really kind of jump into this because this is uh, an area which has really piqued my interest, especially as. Um, I've got a few sort of buddies including yourself that are in the kind of m a space and it's really a buzzy word right now. Yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit about um, just really really briefly because um, I know that some people some of our audience uh, and they're all over the world they not you know they don't really know of your area of expertise but how did you get into the area of of um, you know selling and buying businesses first of all
1: yeah so it started quite a while ago I started close to we now. 15, 20 years ago, I, I started working in the world of of corporate for some big media companies. And I was in effectively what was the strategic marketing team initially. Uh, but that was thinking about customer segments, markets, growth, obviously. And the transition for that, if you like, or the step up from that was into corporate strategy. And that's where sort of mergers and acquisitions or what I like to call the faster growth opportunities set. So wow. I was involved in, yeah, I was involved in both. It was great. So organic growth, which is, you know, growing one customer at a time yep. and then acquisitions mergers, And eventually I ended up in the world of private equity, spent about a decade there. And that's where I did 117 acquisitions and it's 26 exits now that I've been involved in because the last few years I've actually been helping entrepreneurs sell their businesses. Uh, so yeah, it's a ho- it's been a ride. <laughs> it's always a ride, but I quite like it because it's, you know, we get into it today. It's not as complex as some people think. And mm. what I like to say is that any any small business owner, when they get to a certain threshold, should be looking at these things. If they're not, they're missing the opportunity to grow fast.
0: You know what? I it's interesting. I think it's especially over the last sort of six months or so, it never really, I suppose, occurred to me about the importance of MA and you know, and 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 like I said to you, it's it's been a real buzzword, especially over the last I don't know 18 months 12 to 18 months more yeah. importantly you know it's it's a bit like when you know when property and real estate became like the real kind of oh you need to get into property and real estate like many many years ago but now you know the the coiners flit because people are now seeing that there's a uh, different options rather than just kind of you know if we want to create wealth or passive income or whatever it is that you want to call it right um, you get into property but actually it's not the case now um, yeah you just go, it's always it's one of those
1: things that's funny though Adam I think like in the same way property has always been there this mm. has always been there but right. but there is a dynamic I think where it started and I'm again this is where I found it quite interesting I've been doing it for a long long time but I never saw it explode like it has in the last three years when there was a forbes article written in 2019 2020 this talked about this transition of wealth yeah. and what it said is uh, effectively all these baby boomers are retiring and mm-hmm. a lot of them have assets obviously that they've accumulated over their their working lives and many of them are business owners and the figures mm-hmm. were crazy. It was like 10,000 baby boomers per day. And this is still true today, by the way, are retiring in North America. Right. And this is the other one that really kicks it. There's something like 1,600 small businesses per day, again, in North America being closed down. And these are wow. not startups that are failing. These are profitable businesses like mom and pop shops, that sort of thing, right. getting closed down because there's no succession plan. And you wow. think, so this is, you know, to, to finish the point, and this is the thing I really believe in. Entrepreneurship is not a a linear play. Like entrepreneurship is not just starting a business. If you can go and buy a business and enter the world of entrepreneurship from that that
0: route that vehicle, then that's just as valid as as startup. True, true. And we'll touch base on that actually a little bit further into the conversation because I'd be interested to know more about that. But I want to talk a little bit about um I want to talk a little bit about what makes a company or a business valuable to be considered either for acquisition or, you know, to create some sort of merger with another company when it comes to, you know, um, needing extra finance or whatever it is. But what makes a company valuable?
1: Yeah, there's usually, I say there's four things to look at. And and when you think about why do companies buy co- companies, usually it's because there's a, a viewpoint that the two together is mm. going to drive faster um growth what i call exponential growth yep. or it's going to create more value it's like that old saying of one plus one doesn't equal two one plus one equals three i've seen it one plus one equals 11 in this type of scenario <laughs> and that's partly because private equity private equity exists to grow value in a very very precise way right. so if private equity is effect- effectively these these big firms that raise funds from pension funds from high net worth individuals they accumulate that that together. And then they'll go buy a business right got it they'll buy a business but then when they buy that business they don't expect that business just to grow slowly over time mm. they expect to bolt businesses on it's called buy and build and when they bolt those businesses together the value just goes through the roof really quickly mm. okay yeah. so so that's kind of the thing but to get to your question so why does why does this happen well first and foremost when you put financials together and i'll just talk about this quickly like if you bring revenue together with more revenue, profit together with more profit, there's there's accumulation of value. So something that's got more profit is worth more than something that hasn't, but not mm-hmm. just in terms of, well, of course, that sounds obvious, Nick. You know, of course there's more money. But the 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 way that a business is acquired is the multiple usually of the profit which dictates the price. So if a business yep. is making, let's say, a million dollars profit, yeah, yep. that might be worth four to five times that if someone was going to buy it. But if that business was making $5 million in profit, it might be worth 10, 12 times.
0: Wow, big jump.
1: Yeah, massive. And the jumps, you know, again, it's arbitrary, but that's kind of how it works. So financials is one reason. The second reason is there's a product that that company has yes. that my company is thinking about building. But you know what? Instead of wasting all the time, resources to do that, why don't I just buy that company and then I've got the product? Okay, so right. that's kind of a speed to market piece. Then you've got... Um, customers. So let's say I want to move into the US and I want to sell my products and services in the US. Instead of launching a sales team, setting up an office, why don't I buy someone who's got a beachhead there and I can then, you know, (laughs) explode from that, that place, a little bit like a Trojan horse. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last reason, which I think is one of the really interesting ones is, is the quality of the capability, the leadership and people. Mm -hmm. So instead of me hiring you, Adam, because you're awesome at this stuff, right? You're great at networking, building on events. You know, why don't I just buy your business, and then I've got you right. I've got the capability that you've got, but I've also got your customers and revenue and all that as well.
0: So there's right. some of the reasons why people do it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I mean, there, there's some great examples. I mean, um, I mean, Amazon do it a lot, don't they? And yep. Apple do it a lot. Heap you know, seat. they just swallow people up. there's more more (laughs) acquisitions
1: from apple than you expect i looked at the other day it's like it's almost a hundred and something in the last few years but they're small they they buy little tiny things like little bits of technology and whatever else but yeah all the big companies are using acquisition
0: as a major tool
1: of growth for sure
0: and they've done it for years but you just don't really hear much about it well i yeah, unless you're looking in the right places, of course. You know, you don't really hear so much. I bet I bet since we met though, and and,
1: and you said other people that you know, I bet you're more aware of it now. Because oh. as soon as you I see guess. it, it's like it's like it was almost like once you see it, you can't unsee it.
0: That's, <laughs> That's why it's That's quite
1: true. funny. And like it's like, oh God, yeah. Well that that business in my, you know, I I spoke to the guy at my local golf course or my cafe, like happened to me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, why not? Right? You
0: know, why not? interesting love it very cool now in i want to go back to your point actually earlier on which was all about um the baby boomers in particular and stuff but there are lots of what i call tired business owners right and yeah. you know the people that have been in the business for you know a long time you know lots of experience they're kind of stuck in their ways they may be a plateaued in the business or whatever it is but effectively they want to exit the business right um, uh, but the reality is is that so many people because like you had mentioned they don't have an exit plan what is the and, and and it's real sad to see that people just walk away without a penny in their pocket they just close down the business yeah and you know and and, and like the customers lost the data's lost everything's kind of lost and whatever it is but why is the numbers so big you know why is it that you know, a lot of these people that you come across on a regular basis are making the same common mistakes. Is it down to education? Is it because they're kind of like self-sabotaging? I'd love to know what your thoughts are about number one, the reasons why the figures are so high. Number two, why we're not seeing more people actually exiting for a penny or a dime in your pocket when they do retire.
1: Yeah, there's a great question. And and, and the, the, the underlying reason is people just don't think about it. Um, mm-hmm. or they think about it too late. So I yeah. was having a conversation literally just before this with someone saying you've got to have an end game, right? It's the most yeah. important thing. And that end game might be 20 years down the track. But, you know, to your point, the people that I come across, the, the people who are retirement age, so they're in the sort of 60s and 70s, sometimes even a bit older, uh, something's usually happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's something that happens to everyone as we get older. They get, They may be sick or their partner's sick or just something's happened, a, a massive life change. Yep. And we call that a distressed or a motivated seller. Now, what's interesting about that, it's not a distressed business, right? So the business can be great, but something happens. And first thing is people aren't prepared. The second thing is there's a knowledge gap of how. So quite often, if we think something's too difficult, we put it in a, in a, in a bucket over here or True. a box and say, well, <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, it's like that whole thing. If I, if I eat really badly every single day, but I don't think I'm going to get sick because I can't see it right now. I don't worry about it. Right. It's that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. So you've got that going on. And, and the reason it's happening at scale now, it's a simple market economics thing. It's a buy buying and um, selling or sort of, you know, buy demand supply play where you've just got a transition of the baby boomers going through. So for people who don't know that it's worth, it's worth a Google, but obviously it was all the children that were born after the second world war coming through. Um, and there was just so, so many people born for reasons you can probably guess, you know, and, um, and just as they're reaching that retirement age, you've just got so many businesses out there. And that's why as a buyer, someone like myself or someone like, you know, yourself, Adam, or someone listening to this, Mm. there's just, there's like just too many things out there. So it's, I don't want to say that it's like super easy. You've got to get out there and be focused and find the right business for you. But Mm. I often send people to a website called Biz Buy Sell. Remember I mentioned it to you absolutely and that's a, a u.s website but it's just for fun and you can go onto that website it's a whole heap of businesses for sale in uh, north america and you can look in every state every every sector and you can actually look at businesses and you can see the reasons in the in the kind of information as to why people are, are trying to sell them and it's mm. all retirement 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 <laughs> And, and then the second thing it's crazy and the second thing is they, there's a thing they called seller financing which we can get into which means that not only is the business for sale the seller the person retiring is happy for you to pay for the business on what is called deferred payments so you don't have to pay all the money up front you can agree right. that i'm going to pay for the business over three years four years from and this is the cool bit from the profits of the business you're buying off them
0: right exactly and 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 that's a, I, I don't know about you but it, for me it's kind of like i see it as a bit of a um a common myth, you know, where where you, and that might be the reason why there's not enough businesses being bought in the M and A space because there's this common myth where oh you know you know this company's valued at a million quid or whatever it might be you know and people think that they need to have a million quid outlay you know that realistically that's never going to happen. I mean, that's right. Do you know what I mean? So, not many you know, people,
1: you know, not many people in, in the world have that capacity of having cash just sitting there. Right. Yeah. And that's why people think it's the big guys that can only do MA. Right. But the, what I, what I would say is this, right? When you buy, I'll start small, right? When you buy a car, most people, yep. Most people lease a car or they do it on some sort of PCP finance deal, right? That's right. Now, yep. you, you and I might have the money in the bank to go and spend 20, 30, 40, 50 grand on a car, but we choose not to. We choose to pay it over time and keep cash yep. reserves, whatever, right? Yep. If you then escalate that up to a house, most people don't even have the money to buy a house outright. Let's say your house is 300000 for whatever it is, right? And so what do they have to do? They have to go and get a mortgage. But then... So you're again like what you said, like but in businesses, people then think, well, why would why would it be any different? That if I want to buy a business worth a million, okay, a bit more money, we get that, that yep. I would suddenly have to turn up with all this cash, yeah. When you can do exactly what you do with a mortgage, you leverage against the assets of the business, yeah. Borrow against those, and that gives you a, a certain percentage of the money to be able to get the deal done.
0: It's interesting, I, I, and I do think it, and I think you've highlighted about the fact that it is a common myth. I think there is a, a often a misconception between you know the, the whole kind of mortgage example and buying a business I mean it just doesn't make any sense to me but hey ho um <laughs> it's the same thing but
1: you know what I I'm really transparent around it like there are there are people out there who say you can get these businesses for no money down right zero right. money down yeah. um and it, I've done a couple like that so it's I'm not saying it's not true but you've got to right. have a very interesting situation for that to happen so like it's you've got to be Finding quite a lot of distress in my in my view, uh, or you've just got to have superhuman levels of rapport and all these things. But you can go and buy a business for like 10%, 15% of your own cash or an investor's money down. Got it. So to your example, a business that's worth a million dollars, you might have to find $100,000 from somewhere, but you're getting, you know, 900K
0: back that you're leveraging. True. You know, it's interesting because I don't know about you, but I've come across conversations, especially over the over the years that I've been in business, when I've been speaking with uh, companies and business leaders, and it amazes me, especially what I would call the more inexperienced sort of entrepreneurs. And then it's like, you know, what, what's the purpose in, in the whole kind of, you know, building a business, starting a business? You know what is your exit plan, and 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 they haven't a clue. Nick, I don't know about you, but they, they haven't a clue. They're like, but I don't want to exit my business. You know, I, you know, if it gets bigger, then I'll just be in the background. You know, it's. I, do you find those conversations are quite common?
1: There's th- there's three exits Adam, right? So one exit is the one that I try and um, inspire people to look at, which is where you sell your business. You exit the business. You sell it for a, a multiple, yeah. which is effectively going to get you rich right (laughs) you know certainly financially free Uh, a lot of my clients will sell their businesses and they'll take home an eight figure sum okay so that's anything over in the tens of millions right so that's more money than most people ever need right certainly if they invest for the second exit is where you keep the business let's say it's a smaller business but it makes a lot of money and you hire a manager uh, and then you decide you want to go and do other stuff and the business runs and i've got a few businesses like that where you know, I make I make money off them. I don't do anything in them at all. I'm not even involved. Uh, they're not massive businesses, but they they generate reasonably good income, uh, and we don't think about them. So what I call semi passive to some extent.
0: Semi passive. Okay. Yep. And then the
1: third exit is you die, right? So, <laughs> so, so, so what I say to people is, without being morbid, you're gonna get an exit. Like there's a point where you're not gonna have the business forever. Uh, so try and take some control of the terms of that exit when you can. That to try not kill
0: yourself is what Nick's saying, guys. <laughs> yeah, don't
1: don't be the guy. And the other thing you mentioned beforehand, like it's not just about selling your business and getting some money in your pocket. If you have to close your business down, you've got costs, right? Exactly. You know, sometimes you've got to pay redundancies if you've got some staff. You've got to try and sell stock. If you can't sell it, then you've got to you know get rid of it. I mean, so so you actually can lose money if you don't have an exit plan, as opposed to even making something.
0: Isn't that, isn't that interesting? I never actually saw it from that perspective, but you're absolutely right. Very hmm. cool. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um personal branding, just really, really briefly, because yeah, sure. you know, I mean, as a you being in this game for 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 quite a number of years, I mean, how important is it to build this personal brand so that an investor, a VC, um or anyone that is looking to do a business deal with you, partner, do strategic alliances or whatever it is, how important is it is to build a personal brand number one? And, and, you know, do they really look for those types of things when they, you know, type your name into Google and think, oh, you know, who is this guy type of thing, you know, especially if it's a cold call and you don't maybe, or maybe you have a very, you know, a very, what we call infant, infancy type of relationship or whatever it is what's your thoughts about kind of personal branding because i think it's a little bit overlooked and a bit kind of i don't know not just overlooked but i think that i feel like people are a little bit ignorant about it i don't know about you there's pros and cons so I've, i've been in this game
1: for a few years now and um the reason i did it is i i have a belief that it's easier to attract the right people towards you if you stand for and against things Hmm. So, so this, when I, when I say it's, it's good and bad, what I mean is there's also a risk to that because there'll be certain things that I say that are absolutely going to alienate me from other people. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and sometimes, and I'll be really, really um transparent about it. Sometimes that's not always great because, you know, the, the argument is, oh, well, they're not your people. They're not the people, but, but sometimes they are, but it's just, there's a the values that misalign. Right. But I found the reason I do it, the reason I do the podcast and all that sort of stuff is. It allows me to. It allows me to put my message out there, genuinely, with what I'm trying to do, which is to help people, you know, create freedom from from these these businesses and scale up and exit. And if they need to hear that, they I'd, I'd prefer to be able to put the message out there and then they can come and you know if they like what i'm talking about they can find out more about me right and they can listen to me on the podcast some people listen to all the bloody episodes back to back and they but i do i get messages i'm sure you do adam where people say you've changed my life man like you know and and i i sort of i still pinch myself a bit from that yeah. so so i sort of think to people if 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 you if you really want to have a go at something and you want to leverage the opportunity that's been presented through metaverse you know social media whatever we want to call it these days yeah. never had a better opportunity to get get your voice out there and if you think about well what's the alternative well the alternative is you know you have to go out there and find people and then you have to try and convince them that you can help them Mm. and it's just a long process right Mm. it's much easier to have that magnet of people coming towards you so i say to people you know it's changed my life right really has from where i was doing the private equity stuff i wasn't known to anybody before these mm-hmm. days I've got friendships, partnerships, you know, we met through this. I've got going to Florida next week. I'm catching up with my mate, Matt Andrews. He's bringing right. his kids and his and you know, his whole family to Disney with, you know, my wife and that. And these are people that I met on places like Clubhouse, podcasting. I, I interviewed Robin Sharma yesterday, one of my yep. heroes, you know. Yep. Um, Great guy. Yeah, he was cool. But just opportunities like that have come from creating a personal brand. So that's my view. Is I think it's a really important thing. But I'll finish by saying, I, I totally appreciate it. It's also not for
0: everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes complete sense. <clears throat> you know, and, but I, I suppose you kind of have to weigh up the pros and cons, you know, and, and, and this whole kind of, I don't know. It's not that it's an imposter syndrome problem, but it's kind of like, you know, pe- some people that are listening in, they might, they might not want to be seen out there. Do you know what I mean? It's or it's kind of like, it might be a confidence issue. I don't know. It could be. I think it whatever. is.
1: I think it's um, well putting yourself out there takes courage, right? Because yeah. if you think about it, um, most of us—I'll say you and I—but a lot of people like to hide in the shadows, and yeah. and you know, and 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 this is the thing. Like as I said, I said, yeah, I get people come and say that the stuff I've done has changed their life. Equally, I'll get people saying, you know, they wish I was dead, right? Mm. <laughs> I've had that. and, and that's dream. Uh, well, it's true. I had—I did. Have, I had a person person write to me and said, I hope you die from drinking the devil's urine. What? That's a bit extreme. <laughs> I don't even know what it, it was from. But then, but then you've got to. I didn't do anything wrong, right? You know, in my mind, anyway. But you've got to contextualize it to say everyone's everyone's living their own world, right? And they've got their own yeah. perceptions, values, and what you say that will absolutely help one person is possibly going to be the opposite of what another person thinks. And so I can see people get worried about that. And what I find is it's a little bit like going to the gym and working the muscle. Mm. fitter you get the more you work the muscle the more you kind of get used to it it becomes a habit
0: and routine so i just don't care about it anymore yeah very true Uh, what about investors and and sort of venture capitalists and you know uh, sort of investors that are looking at you whether 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 it be in the big wide world of the internet or whatever it might be but do investors and venture capitalists and capital equity firms do they look for you being out in the big wide world do they do their due diligence and check you out and you know like to kind yeah, of a little get- bit but yeah. they they're not the people i'm trying to work with so right. so they they tend to tolerate
1: me <laughs> so, just <laughs> and the, re- the reason for that is and and, and listen it's, it's all it's all very fair and amicable but it's what i've done is i've taken what i call the playbook of private equity that's kind of a little bit like a secret handshake club yes and i've demystified it and made it more simple and approachable yes. even though it's still got its own complexities. And then what I've said is if you're a business owner, let's say you're a business owner that's just hit seven figures, right? You've mm-hmm. built a good business. You're, you know, it, just getting over the millions um, and you're in that sort of, how do I get to eight figures? Right. I'm, I'm teaching those people how to do that the private equity way. quickest way right and and the the most valuable and that kind of can sometimes with 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 investors who are like well why are you
0: doing that because that's how we do it (laughs) (laughs) is it do you think it's like also i i get a feeling of this kind of culture of insecurity on their part i don't know what's your thoughts on that
1: well you've got to think that what i'm what i'm really doing is flying below the radar of what they're trying to do to sell up the chain to them so yeah. what I mean by that, without being too cryptic, is, you know, there are people, um, usually young MBA types, sitting in private equity firms, and all they're doing every single day is writing or calling up small businesses, um, and playing the massive rapport play. Got it. And quite often, and a lot of my clients are like, I get these letters all the time. I said, Yeah, I know. You, you will. <laughs> and and what I found is sometimes it works out really well. For the business right um but quite often the, the business owners don't know what to do and they go down a process and they don't quite get what they should have got right and so so i sort of go well instead of doing that why not get ahead of it and start to act like they're going to act so so instead of waiting you know reactively to be acquired if that's if you decide that's your exit why yeah. not get get in front why don't you go out there and find your acquirer Why don't you go out there and do partnerships and joint ventures? Why don't you build? And so the stuff I focus on these days in the kind of scale, fast, exit, rich sort of playbook, what I call scale to sale, is building back from that idea and making sure that the foundations of the business, growth processes, all of it are aligned so that I know when a private equity firm comes or a corporate and they look at the business, they're going to be looking at it in a a way that I would have looked at it when I was in private equity. And they'll go... This is really good, and I go, yeah, yeah. it is really good. Guess what? <laughs> they're more expensive. And of course, the entrepreneur, the business owners, they're going. What just happened? Well, no, not not right. I'm, I'm being a little bit sort of you know gracious yeah, yeah. with it, but but they, but they're starting to see something very different. And if they continued on the path by themselves, they wouldn't have understood what they needed to do to get there. Yeah. So I just teach right. them it's just a knowledge gap. Very cool.
0: Very cool. All right. Let's get back to um, our conversations around um, buying businesses and kind of looking at the different options. Because I know we, we talked about it on the summit, but I know that not everyone that's listening in um, was listening in and stuff like that. But let's talk about the different ways in how to buy a business. So, I know that there are ways to buy a business, yep. but there are also ways in which you effectively can exit your business. And they're two different methodologies, but let's talk about buying a business. First of all, what are the different options in which we can fund it? And you mentioned on our last conversation, you ha- you don't even have to have any experience or very little experience. Yes, you'd have to do your due diligence and so forth, but love to know what the ways are to buy a business. First of all, let's talk about that. Yeah, Well, you
1: have you have to learn a process. Right. So so <laughs> You know, there are businesses out there and some people intuitively because they've you know run their business as well for years kind of get it i was with a guy last night in dubai a friend of mine and he's in the process of exiting his business and he kind of just said exactly what should happen but it was it was very good actually i was like well you, you know it um but you know first and foremost you need to learn some basic things right so what's important in buying businesses Well, you need to know firstly what type of business you're going to buy right it sounds simple but you know where is it going to be is it going to be close to your home is it going to be overseas Uh, Is it an industry that you know? Is it an industry that you have a passion for? Uh, Those sort of things. What size? You know, what sort of structure? Um, So that's the first thing. So we call that deal specification. Deal specification, right. Then you want to then work out a model or a process, again, of finding those deals. Yeah. And the simplest way to say it on this this conversation today, Adam, it's like a sales funnel. Yep, And I say you might start with, you know, in the in the sector that you said you were going to go after in the region, all those things, you might go out there and, and try and find 100 leads at the top of the funnel. So 100 yeah. businesses before you even speak to the seller and work out whether it's for sale and all that sort of stuff, you've got, you know, that. And the way you can do that, you can prospect on LinkedIn, you can run Facebook ads uh, to a lead magnet, like, you know, all the basic sort of things. I find writing personal letters to people's um, home addresses on company's house is a great way of doing it. And that's a good get, idea you can get days to do that so you can pay five to ten dollars an hour so you don't have to do that right yeah, yeah but you get 100 right out there then you might get that down to 20 or 30 where you start to have some conversations yeah. and then from that you might only get one or two deals away so but again that psychology uh, method if you like of a funnel is how i think about it so then you've got, okay, what happens then? Once you've got those 20 or 30, um, you know, you've got to call them up and you want to you want to build what I call the, the first most important skill of deal making is rapport. Yes. Superhuman levels of rapport. And <clears throat> what what that means um is that if someone starts to really trust you, they're firstly gonna hand over their baby to you, right? <laughs> so like you know, if someone's in the business for 30 years, that's their life.
0: That's the tricky so- part.
1: Sometimes the, money, <laughs> sometimes the money is less important sometimes it's like you know i've had betty running the reception area for years i don't want betty to lose her job the, right. uh, Could you not? Know, these are the sort of questions you get into so you have to show that you are that safe pair of hands yep. secondly if you're going to negotiate what i'll get into in a minute that seller financing where you're going to pay for the business over years from the profits no one's going to do that sort of deal with you unless they like you right mm-hmm. and trust you so rapport right. is the number one skill so you do all that and then you get into um, negotiation and all that sort of stuff. But as you do that, this is where you would build a deal team. Yeah. And you need to have a really good M&A um, lawyer. You need to have a good um, corporate sort of finance person. There's quite a lot of people out there in this space who are trying to do deals. But the way I think about it is someone leads the whole negotiation. Someone leads the deal. You know, yes. That's usually like a front person, whatever else. They're the one building rapport, et cetera. Then you have the finance and the legal teams. And if you buy a business that's not in the industry that you know, so I've done a lot of stuff in education, professional services, media. Let's say I wanna buy something in manufacturing. I might bring in someone who's an expert in manufacturing and I'll split the equity with them. Because if I wanna go and raise some finance to get the deal done, and I'll explain that in a second, it's good to have someone in the deal team who comes from the industry, just provides more credibility. Yeah, that that makes sense. And then I'll finish by just saying the financing. How do you do that? So, well, there's different ways, but I focus on what is called leverage buyouts, and that's where you're leveraging the assets, usually on the balance sheet of a business, to be able to borrow against. Things like um, real estate sits there, obviously, uh, machinery, um, any inventory. Uh, But the one I like is always things like receivables, where someone is effectively, the job's been done, the invoice is put out, you just haven't been paid yet. And remember, that's not the business owner's money. That's the business's money. So you can actually raise up to 70% finance against receivables. Okay. No. And so you do all that, right? That's asset finance. And then you agree, you negotiate with the seller. Okay. We're going to pay over three years because you want to go. You want to go sit on a beach or hang out with your grandkids. I'm going to take <laughs> the business off your hands, right? In order to do that, I'm going to pay you this amount of money up front, Okay. The closing payment. And that comes from the asset finance. And then I'm going to pay you the rest. Over this period of time, and sometimes I like to g- keep a little bit of their equity in the business, and say, "Why don't you keep 10 percent in?" And I'm going. My job is here to scale it. I want to scale it and sell it, right? So the next three years. So if you leave a bit of equity in, that twenty percent is going to be worth a lot more in a few years' time as well. And a lot mm-hmm. of them like that. They go, "Oh, that's interesting, right?" You know. But everything comes down to the credibility of whether you can do that, right? You know, you know are you the person who can actually run that business and bring fresh thinking and new ideas to that business? that perhaps you know they have have not got or they've just lost the impetus for
0: so um why did so quick quick question around that because you said oh you know you, you so, and in a lot of cases you like to keep the business owner involved you know and give them sort of 10 20% or keep 10 and 20% already staying in the business why do you do that just out of curiosity
1: well it means um the amount of money i have to raise up front is less as well so (laughs) so remember i'm only buying 80 percent of the business i'm not buying i i will always take the majority i'll always and i will always own the business so it's not like it's you're you're running the business or not um it's just i find it doesn't happen in all situations but if someone just doesn't want to run the business anymore Mm-hmm. they're tired they're worn out i mean a lot of the businesses i look at that you go to their website adam and and it's like shocking i mean it's like <laughs> i mean it's, it's like something out of remember myspace <laughs>
0: you know that, that social network. it's like 1972 oh, like, what it's like
1: comparing myspace to facebook or something right you know and, <laughs> yeah. and there's typos and all this and one of the things that's really important there's two two really good skills uh if you're Either an entrepreneur who wants to scale via acquisitions, or let's say you're in this whole great resignation thing right now. You're a corporate person who's been magical at oh, sales yeah. and marketing,
0: <laughs> and you want to
1: now be an entrepreneur. What well, my advice is: go and buy a business, start one. Right, go and buy something. But if you're good at marketing and and you go into a business, they've got a bad website, they've never done any ads, they've just handed flyers out around the local thing. Just imagine how easy it is to optimize the marketing and then start to drive growth, particularly if everything else is in place. Yeah. Oh, that's when how you, I sort
0: of look at it. Up. Interestingly enough, when you, cause I know that you've obviously bought businesses yourself and you are yep. a business owner of seven other businesses and stuff like that. And I mean, I, one thing, one question that comes to my mind and probably some of our audiences minds is how do you manage all of this, Nick? I mean, I know that a lot of the time you're not involved in the actual operational side of stuff, but then the question then that comes to my mind is, okay, well, if you're spending very little time in the business, Then how can you increase the valuation of that company to then effectively either exit or hold it or whatever it might be? What's your? I'd love to know what your thoughts about that and kind of what do you do if it was you know in your businesses and stuff like that. You know how often do you go into the business? What do you bring to the table? Um, You know, are there certain things that you? Yeah, let's start with that first of all.
1: So there's there's a couple of things here. The businesses that I'm buying are usually under sort of ten million dollars. Got it. Right. And the reason for that is I want to buy them when they're, they're quite simple. I don't like complex things. I'm not buying, you know, SAS Uber businesses and all that. <laughs> right. I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm buying car washes and, you know, laundromats and, uh, we're looking at kind of window fitting. You know that sort yeah. of stuff: um, heating, ventilation, you know, cooling, that type of stuff. HVAC businesses, cool. yeah, um, services and/or sort of product businesses that a product is being sold from that. But we really like the recurring revenue from the services. So, nice. so to your question, they're, they're not they're not strategic juggernauts, right? So, so the person that I want to run the business is probably more an ops manager than what you'd call an MD, even though you might call them an MD. Got it. And then the second thing is. i'm not paying them to be strategic i'm paying them to deliver precision yep right high levels of precision yep and then what we do and i and i I recommend this to all my clients as well we put a structure around the um management of the business and any of the kind of activities of the business and we work to what i call a 90-day cadence so we'll 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 have an annual planning process no more than that Uh, we have a vision around three years for an exit but the the annual planning is the financials That's normally a day or a two-day, once-a-year event, okay? Strategic. What are we trying to do this year? How are we going to do it? And I might bring some people in for that, not just myself, but anyone I bring in is there to help with the strategy, and the operational people are there too. The ops manager is there, but the ops manager is there just to listen and understand what they're going to be doing. Yep. Then we'll have usually a half-day or a day, a quarter, where we focus on the strategic priorities and make any changes to those. And that's what I call the 90-day cadence or the 90-day sprint. Whatever's agreed on that day or that half day is then executed over 90 days. Yeah. And then we have once a month check-ins and that's normally a 90-minute meeting, 90-minute call, Zoom. And then if it's a new business or there's an issue, like, and sometimes that obviously happens, we'll have weekly calls for around about 30 minutes. Got it. But those weekly calls, everything. the other thing I'll say is everything is metrics-driven, everything, right? Nice. So we're looking at scorecards and cadence. And the, the, um, the playbook I used to use in private equity and I still use to this day is by Gino Wickman, a book called Traction. Nice. Uh, and we love the simplicity of that model, and we use that model quite a lot in the businesses, the businesses I've got. So just long answer, but effectively <laughs> I'm not in the business operationally. I'm in the business strategically. I'm engaging with the business sometimes on a weekly basis, still, but quite often it's a monthly basis. I'm looking at numbers all the time. I'm getting yeah. reports,
0: yeah. and
1: then strategically, it's every quarter
0: and every year that I am quite actively involved. But I enjoy that part of that. That's cool. And then you mentioned, um, well, I mean, what is your average uh, exit from a business? Is it you said three years, right? We like to do three, but it can be three to five. Would be the it average. Be three to five, and 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 with the business that you've acquired so for example your businesses that you've acquired do the people that have you know uh, you know the team and the employees part as part of that business do they know that eventually three to five years down the line you have an exit strategy and you have an exit plan is that is that important in terms of i don't bring that up all the time (laughs) so
1: that conversation it depends it depends on um the type of business, the person, the people who are in there—that um, that conversation is probably known. Certainly is known at the investor level. So if I've got other partners who have helped me do the oh, deal, who cool. have parts of equity, then, then we'll have that conversation. But we don't try to com- make it complex. So, so what I'll what I'll do in a business, and I do this with clients too. It's the same process. It's a three pillar process. We call scale to sale. Right. Yeah. First part is clear end game. So there will be an end game to realize value at a point in time, right? So we'll say, you know, in a few years time, we'll probably look to be selling this business, you know, and we're trying to do it, but I won't go details, this number and this, how much money we're going to make under that. (laughs) Then the middle part is what I call scale fast and build value. Right, so that's where we're looking at the marketing. We're looking at the processes. Uh, we're bringing in different types of capability as required. We're doing joint ventures. We're looking at other acquisitions. Right, but that process there is the the engine room. That's probably a two year process if we're looking at a around about a three year exit. Got it. And then as we get towards that, as the business is growing and it's looking more valuable, the last twelve months we get super intentional on the exit, and that's when it'll become more common knowledge in the business. And quite often we'll offer options, share options and things like that, because we want to structure the business that if we sell it, the people that are in the business are incentivized to stay on in the business uh, to then run the business for the new owner.
0: Got it. Got it. Now, that's not... yeah, that, that was okay? kind of my big question because it's you know kind of the insecurity of this culture of like oh my god I'm gonna lose my job type of thing you know yeah <laughs> and,
1: but you incent, everything can be done through clarity of communication incentivization yes. and if and it, you know and this is the other thing like if it's not the right fit for someone uh, and I had this conversation actually a couple of days ago um you know when you go and buy a business the most I've ever seen of staff churn is fifty percent mm. right now, often it's about thirty percent of people leave because you know they love the old boss or their manager or whatever else <laughs> but most people have got mortgages you know oh, Scott, house you
0: know, yeah
1: school fees like you know and and as long as as long as everything's clear in the communication and people looked after yeah. you find that you know unless it's a misalignment of their values or something which is it's not most people kind of give it a go
0: they give it a chance yeah some good some good points there very cool excellent and then <clears throat> with regards to so you've talked a little bit about how to buy a business now, let's talk a little bit about exiting, you know. Sure. So, because I know we haven't really touched up, <laughs> touch base about that, but when it comes to exiting the business, so, so you're the motivated business owner. Well, should we say not so motivated? Should we say tired business owner that wants to sell, right? And you might, they might be listening to this podcast right now, but you're just not sure where to go, what to do, what, things that you need to have in place? Any advice there, first of all?
1: So well, it depends on the business a little bit. Um, What I don't suggest you do is just go out to a broker. And this is what a lot of people do do. Sometimes they'll just go to their lawyer or their accountants. You know, one of the the first places you find out (laughs) about deals is from accountants because you know, they, they, people tell their accountants before they tell their wives or their partners and whatever else, <laughs> you know, which makes sense, doesn't it? It's like, well, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the conversation is actually sometimes I'm thinking of winding the business down and then it's like, well, you sure you should do that? And then a broker comes in and the, pro- the problem is there's a lot of businesses out there that are just such small businesses, subscale businesses that you're really yeah. just selling a job. Yeah, And, probably. you know, and if a business is making, you know, 150, 200 grand a year profit, you know, all the way probably up to you know, even up to half a million which sounds like a lot but with taxes and everything else you know um it's hard to then say there's a lot in that other than the owner is the is the bottleneck
0: right yes, yeah
1: and if you go out there and say i'm going to sell my business you go to a broker sometimes the broker will charge a fee up front yeah i'll sell your business i'll sell your business but it's really hard and so what i say to people like that is firstly um give yourself a good runway if you want to sell your business Give yourself that runway to sell it and build it up to a better level. Build it up, you know, to something that's a bit more interesting. Or when I come into some of these businesses, I'll just do basic things. Like I'll start to call up the suppliers, uh, again, confidentially, or sometimes competitors that can be quite tricky and sensitive and just suggest partnerships and other things. And then you find that the conversation just develops into an acquisition, right, and and they're the exit. But But that's the sort of thing that people should be doing. They should be looking at where their exit's going to come from.
0: Mm. Right? Like that. So yeah,
1: you know, and, and 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 that's and if you can't work that out, then you know, obviously you bring people like myself into the team in to help you with it. But mm. if if you a lot of the time it's like, oh, hold on, my supplier's growing. There's a you know they just bought another company. I wonder if they'd want my company.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, and then and then the sort of the penny drops a bit from there.
0: It's like you're sowing a seed initially because you're kind of you're you know you're you're already ahead of the game. Do you know what I mean? It's better kind of better to be. Motion.
1: Better to own the process. So, you know, back to what I said, if you're clear about your end game, if you've got time to build value, definitely do it. And then when Mm -hmm. you get on that pathway to exit, the things I look to do is I look to take out any costs in the business that aren't driving value, because again, it's going to increase the profit, therefore the value of the business. Yep. Yep. Um, I look to do partnerships and things like acquisitions in the last 12 months to, to start to bring together a bigger, because, because scale does matter to some extent, right? Having a yep. bigger entity matters. Yes. Um, and then, you know, from that, it's really just about getting a good accountant yep. or finance person to come in there and help you put the proposition together. Because sometimes, way that you package the business and the way you tell the story and i'm not talking about the, the more complex private equity deals but just the way you can position the business can increase the value alone true so so there's some there's some pointers there for people who are listening that might be thinking how do i start
0: this very cool very cool listen i know we're coming towards the end of our um conversations and as much as i love talking like uh, we could talk about this because it's such an interesting subject, it really is a, a really interesting. <laughs> There's a lot subject. more depth
1: to it as well. There, there is a lot go. more depth and stuff
0: like that. <laughs> but for 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 the guys that are uh, well, first of all, I, I suppose my a, a summary question would be: Is what are you working on right now? Because you've been doing this sort of 12 you know a good sort of 15 20 years now what are you working on right now love to know what you're working on right now
1: yeah so my I spend my time so it's quite it's quite interesting so I've got as I said we've got six businesses actually at the moment because we've got one that um, we've put together with another one um yep. so that's that's interesting so I'm cool. always looking to um, buy businesses so we're always looking at we're looking at the moment in Florida um, for various awesome. reasons also because we're looking to take the the coaching consultancy business out there as well so i'm working on that um our coaching consultancy business which is called scale up your business has been growing a lot like it's had a, a really full-on couple of um months actually um and it's driven i think i think because of the scale to sale idea the concept of that is a bit a bit unusual not many people do that true, so true. i'm i'm spending quite a lot of time um talking about that with clients and i don't do as much client stuff as i used to um but the last couple of months that's why i was in Dubai flying to florida all that sort of thing yeah um and then the last piece for me you know we talked about it briefly at the beginning is um my podcast rebranded so it used to be called scale up your business it's now scale up with nick bradley uh i've got some guests coming on that are just off the planet and i can't say who they are
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know a couple of them by the way but i'm not gonna say you guys are gonna to have to go onto uh Nick's podcast, onto Apple all the good platforms and go download honestly it's a great pla- it's a great podcast i must say so myself even though it so. conflicts with my <laughs> one but it doesn't really conflict because because we're both wicked and awesome people anyway so yeah, you've got it.
1: to have a you've got to have a repertoire of podcasts because you can't otherwise people are gonna get sick of my voice <laughs> you know like yeah you know. but I think the, the other thing I'll say this is my, my podcast is more about um, growth and mindset than it is about business these days, even though it's business focused. And I talk about the identity of who you need to be to do the stuff that we've talked about for the last hour. So that's where I kind of tend to play these days. Because, you know, I just honestly believe that, you know, you can only scale a business to the level of your identity.
0: That's very cool. Very true. So so hope you guys have enjoyed today's conversations with me and Nick. If you have any questions for Nick, please do reach out to him on any of the channels. And you can do so uh, by clicking on the links below. Uh, do mention the podcast, by the way, when you do reach out to him. He's very busy. Um, and But essentially, he'll always always have time for people that come from my podcast, of course. <laughs> Um, do my best (laughs) you know this
1: i always try and get back to when you contact me as quickly as i can as well so you know i'm
0: doing my best (laughs) there you go exactly exactly so guys hope you've enjoyed today's episode uh make sure that you listen to uh well we'll be here again as well we've got some amazing episodes coming up as well uh so make sure that you listen in uh so i hope you've enjoyed today's episode and uh see you soon i guess from me and nick thanks very much appreciate your time take care thanks very much guys thanks adam thank you Hey guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Game Changers Experience. I would be gratefully appreciated if you could leave a good or a bad review. Doesn't matter, one or a five-star review, whichever you prefer, on any of the platforms, whether it be on Apple, whether it be on Spotify, Podchaser, etc. And please leave a testimonial, or review about our podcast. And if you have enjoyed our podcast, then I look forward to seeing you on the next Game Changers Experience. Take care. See you soon.